Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. It's been a while since I preached. It's been a good minute. All right. So is everybody doing well? Good, good, wonderful. So today I want to talk about let's get personal. All right. I kept on thinking of, it was an old 80s song and uh, let's get uh, personal, personal, but I think it was let's get physical. I think, I think that's what it was, yeah. So I, I couldn't sing that, you know. I just don't have my father's anointing for uh, singing and, and preaching. <laughs> no, that's pretty high. All right, so I want to talk about getting personal. And uh, I wanted to say that there is a vast difference between knowing about someone and knowing them personally. There's a vast difference between knowing about someone, having information about someone, and knowing them personally. You know, I would sure, I'm sure most of you have a favorite singer, you know, and you know all the songs, you can sing all the songs, even the ones that you can't sing, you try to sing, and then when you sing it without the recording, it doesn't sound as good as you thought it sounded kind of thing. Or maybe you have a favorite movies or a favorite actor, you know, you're like, the ladies are like, oh, that Dennis Quaid, you know, uh, he's just amazing. And so you, you know all the movies, and you know, or you know the lines, you know, you can recite the lines. And, you know, some of you love, you know, motivational speakers. So you know all the tips, you know all the tricks, you, you know all the life hacks, you know all the, the, the motivational quotes. So you can feel a personal, personal connection to what someone creates. And you can feel a personal connection to what, to what someone offers. But how many of you can say that you know them personally? Be like, if I said, how many of you know Tom Cruise? Oh, probably most everybody in here. But how many of you know him personally? Probably no one. Right? So there's a vast difference between knowing about someone and knowing them personally. So we can know someone on an informational level. We can actually know someone on an emotional level. How many of you ever heard a song and it just made you cry? I'm so lonesome I could cry. <laughs> it made you cry. So you can connect with someone on a, an emotional level but still not know them on a personal level. So let's get personal. How many of you know God? How many of you know God? I would say a lot of us know about him. We can read scripture. We can quote, quote scriptures. I've heard pastor preach on this one time and I know something about him. Right? 
And you know what? You know, growing up in the church, a lot of us could probably provide the quote-unquote right answer if, if we're asked. And it's something that God's been challenging me on is to know him is not just on an informational level. It's not even on an emotional level. Those things aren't bad or wrong. But I need to know him on a personal level. So this is the delineation between religion and relationship. You see, religion says, familiarize yourself with the info. Know the facts. Know the tenets. Religion also says, stay within the rules of acceptance. Right? This is what you should look like. This is what you should sound like. Anything outside of that is unacceptable. Religion says, provide the right answer when called upon. Right? I I put that one down because I think of my kids a lot. You know, working with my kids on studying for tests, I truly understand they know the information, but they don't know the information. (laughs) They know the right answer, but they don't understand it. Not all of them, right? Religion says, put on the appearance of holiness, but if you ever get caught, you will be punished and canceled. That's what religion says, right? Religion says, grace is highly praised. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace, but it's never practically extended to anybody else. (laughs) That's good. Oh, the Lord saved me. And you're, you're condemning people to hell all the time. I'm not saying you. I get, I'm not saying you. Uh, all right. The people watching, there's a bunch of them out there. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm saying? But relationship says, as we see him, we become like him. You see the difference? It's not learning about all the information. It's not just uh, uh, saying the right answer when you're called upon. It's actually knowing him. And as you know him, guess what? You start becoming like him. Have you ever been hanging around someone else and someone goes, you kind of act like this person. It's the same thing with the Lord. As you fellowship with him, as you communicate with him, as you get in his word, guess what? You're going to start reflecting him. Relationship says, we hear and know his voice. And guess what? We recognize a false one because we have a personal, intimate connection to his voice. Have you ever heard someone say, well, God said this, and they, I don't know if they've ever read the Bible. <laughs> the Lord never spoke to me in that way. It's kind of like someone could come up and say, you know what your mother said? I'd be like, no, she didn't say that. Why? Because I know her. I know what she would say. Come on. Because I'm familiar with it. I've heard it my whole life. 
Even the one I didn't want to hear it, I heard it. And so if someone comes up and tries to be sneaky and be like, oh, you know, I say, no, I don't think so. Come on. Relationship says his words bring life and freedom, not a yoke of bondage. Relationship is there to set you free. If you would like more information on that, you can listen to my sermon on freedom. <laughs> I dive into it a little bit more. Relationship says we continue to grow and mature because we are committed to follow his leading. You know what religion says? Know the information and stay pat. Don't falter. Don't move. Don't change. But I would say, if we're in a relationship with the Lord, we're changing all the time. Because as we see him, we become like him. And the funny thing is, spiritual consistency is measured by change. What is consistent? I set my eyes on him and I don't take them off. That is what is consistent. But I'm changing all the time. Are you guys seeing this? Relationship says love and grace uh, extend beyond my personal experience. (laughs) Because I'm actually in relationship, I'm being changed by him. And because I'm being filled with what he's filling me with, it's extending to the world around me. But religion says, do you know the right answer? Do you know the right answer? Jesus didn't come and shed his blood so that you could know him on an informational level. Think about that. Jesus came. He humbled himself. He took off the heavenly um, benefits. He came. He died. He suffered just so that you can know information about him and quote it when anybody asked you. Seems kind of silly, doesn't it? He's he's come to, to restore back relationship. Because of sin, relationship was lost. He did it to restore back connection. Because of sin, connection was broken. And the source of life Guess what? We didn't have a connection to it any longer. He came to restore those things. Come on. Now, when I say it's it's good to memorize scripture, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying walk around with a bunch of wrong answers. (laughs) I'm just saying that is the high priority of religion. But we're in a relationship. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Another version will say, if you love him, he will empower you to keep his word because of his love. So if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Let me say something. You can't get any more personal than that. I will come and make my home with you. Would you say home is pretty personal? Most of you don't go into other people's houses and say, hey, what's in the fridge? Like I said, most people don't. <laughs> That's a new people. So Jesus, Jesus is saying, I'm not just coming over for, as company. How many of you ever had a mother, which I had a mother like this? When company came over, there was a deep cleaning that happened. <laughs> right? Now, this is not... <laughs> yeah, with my mother, there was always... <laughs> that was my reality. And so... How many of you have had that experience? It's like, we got, we got people coming over. We got to straighten up. You've never dusted in 100 years. And you're dusting things that you didn't even know needed dusted. And you're finding things that you never knew because they were under dust. <laughs> you know? But Jesus isn't coming over because he's company. He's coming over and saying, where do I put my stuff? Do you see the difference? He's asking questions like, when does the kitchen close? How many of you have ever had parents like that? The kitchen closes at 7 o'clock. If you do not eat by then, there will not be food in your stomach. <laughs> Jesus comes over and says, where's the remote at? And we're getting real personal now. But let me say something. You know who, who is alpha if they have the remote. <laughs> right? You know that? No one? Or the, there's a certain chair, right? But the cool thing about God is when he, he moves in, he says, I'll help you clean this up. Come on. We are in a relationship. And it is more than just knowing about him. It's having a personal relationship with him. Intimacy has been defined as into me you see. A beautiful example of this is Psalms 103.7. He made known his ways to Moses his acts to the children of Israel. What's the difference? Israel's connection to God was with what he, with what he did for them. Right. Meaning he was a far off God who helped in time of need. But they did not have a relationship with him. Right? right. But Moses had access to the why of the journey. And this understanding and access is available to us even to a greater degree than Moses. <laughs> Do you realize that? When it says, wow, you know, God revealed his ways to Moses. Oh, we have so much more than that. We have the spirit of God living on the inside of us. 
the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead actually is living inside of us. We have so much more access. But the point that I'm making is so the Israelites only related to God with what he did for them. Fire by night, cloud by day, manna at this time, water from a rock, parting the sea, right? Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So he lives, he resides, he's made his home in us. Now I want you guys to get this. If you do not recognize, you will minimize, which will cause you to not utilize. Okay, I'm done with rhyming now. That was for you, Shimon. That was my spoken word for the day. Yeah. If you do not recognize... Meaning, if you don't realize what's inside of you, you will minimize it. You'll start calling yourself worthless. Actually, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. That your body is His temple. You will minimize, which will cause you not to utilize. See, if you minimize, you're not going to use what's inside of you. You'll push it down. It's easy to fall into the trap of relating to God in, a per, in an impersonal way. It's easy to do that. Just like the Israelites, it was a far-off God who helps in time of need. We're all guilty of this. When something really bad happens, then, then we're on our knees. <laughs> oh, I need everybody to pray for me now. <laughs> Call the pastor. Call the red. <laughs> so it's this far off God that we have no personal connection to, but we need him now. And it's easy to fall into that. We've all done it. So the attitude is when I need you, I'll call. But that's not why Jesus came. He's came he, he has come and laid down his life so that relationship could be restored. Much of the church has reduced our relationship with God down to the fulfillment of his promises for our life. It's great to talk about the promises of God, but if that is all the relationship that you have with him, we're missing the mark. Well, God, when are you going to fulfill that thing that you prophesied? I've been waiting. And my only connection to him is what he said he would do. God, I'm facing a giant. I need you now. I'm just preaching to myself here. See, we, re, we reduced our relationship with the Lord down to him fulfilling what he said he would do. Just like the Israelites. I need you to stay over here, God. Not in my heart. Not the whole heart. 
but I need you when I need you. We're waiting for God to open that door. God, open that door. We're praying hours for it. It's consuming our thoughts. And I'm not, hey, listen, his promises are good. They are promises. But they're not the only reason we relate to him. And so his promises mean nothing apart from his presence. His promises mean nothing apart from relationship. Moses sums it up so beautifully in Exodus 33, 15. Now, I want you to understand the Israelites were being ridiculous. Okay, they were being crazy. God called them stubborn and pig-headed. That's what he called them. They were being crazy. And finally, God's like, yeah, you can go into the promised land. I'll, stick, I'll stay here. <laughs> and this is Moses' response. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Think about that. Moses was so passionate about staying connected to the presence of God that he was willing to forego the fulfillment of the promised land. Where was Moses when he said that? They were still in the wilderness. I'm willing to not taste the fruit of the promised land if you don't go with us. It's good stuff. Now think about this. Now probably Moses was thinking, I can't handle these people without you. You got to go with me. So he's like, we're not going anywhere if you're not coming. All right. So Moses is like, I'd rather stay in the wilderness with your presence than go into the promised land without you. Paul shares this same sentiment. Philippians 3.8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ. So what is the goal? The goal or the high mark that we press towards is knowing Christ. Now, I will say this. You don't have to chase promises when you pursue the giver. I'll say it again. You don't have to chase after promises when you pursue the giver. Because promises will pursue after you. Do you see the difference? If our focus is so, so much on what God is doing for us, we're going to miss the mark. But if we pursue after his heart and what he's saying, and we're led by his voice, and we're passionate about connecting to his heart, we don't have to worry about the promises. They're right behind. They're following. So knowing Christ is the mark which all other things flow. And I will say this. 
So if you're hearing this and be like, man, I got to be more relational with God. But you can't fake or perform intimacy with God. Like you, you can't do it with God, right? You can do it before men, right? I, I love that scripture verse. I think it was Jesus. We're saying, hey, when you fast, don't go out into the town square and moan and groan about it. <laughs> it's like, you're just doing that for men. You're getting your reward there. And if I'm not going to eat, I want the, my heavenly reward. <laughs> I don't want you guys to think I'm so awesome because I fasted. Oh, I'm on 30 minutes of a fast. <laughs> it's a very real thing. It's <laughs> so your calling is not a destination. It's an invitation to intimacy. When God calls you to do something... It's not to arrive there. It's to be called into a relationship with him. Because guess what? You're going to need him every step of the way to get there. Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two sins. I think this is one, I don't want to say favorite, but I really like this scripture verse a lot. And it's kind of a weird scripture verse to be like one of your favorites. But I think it sums it up. It sums our problems up so much. <laughs> but as people have committed two sins, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. That sums up our problem right there. They rejected the source of life. They said, no, I can find something better. And guess what they did? They started to dig their own wells, hoping to satisfy their thirst. And guess what? They couldn't. I'm sure you guys know the, the story of the, the woman at the well. And Jesus is offering her uh, living water that she would never thirst again. And she's arguing about all this stuff, right? She's arguing about where uh, they should be worshiping and all this stuff. All these counterfeit comments. And then Jesus goes straight to the point. This five husband thing. And she's like, oh, you're a prophet. <laughs> What were those five husbands? Wells that could not hold water. Think about that. That's what they were. Maybe this one will fix it. Maybe this one will make me happy. Oh, this one's good looking. Oh, yeah, this one's good looking. This one's got a good personality. <laughs> I'm adding stuff here, but you guys get the... The point? This one's got money. And we do that. 
will say, hey, God, you stay over there. I'm going to go work on this theme thing or this financial breakthrough thing or this whatever it is. You know, when I, when I taught on this before, it's when, I, when we had center stage and stuff. But I would say the well of popularity, you know. As you get older, you could care less about that. <laughs> so they pursued other avenues of receiving life which couldn't satisfy. Maybe this will be the thing that brings me fulfillment. Nope, it's broken, and it can't hold any water. Now, some of those things that people receive aren't necessarily bad, but they can't be your source of life. So in Jeremiah, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, actually the source of their life. And they dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold any water. Wow. But later in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Some of your heart. No, all of your heart, right? And my father and I will come and make our home within them. Come on. I think one of the things that, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, that's the Old Testament, this is the New Testament. But one thing, a thread that I've seen throughout the Old and New Testament is God always wanted all your heart. In both covenants, God wanted your whole heart. That never changed. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Oh, that's new information. Now that you've received him, do your own thing. Now that you received him, continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. It's so important to understand what Christ offered us through his sacrifice. His salvation provides us not just eternal life. Okay, I'm gonna, how many of you know that Christ has came and died for you, rose again, so that you may have eternal life in heaven. But I would say it's a little bit more detailed than that. I would say it's eternal life with him. It's not just heaven, it's eternal life with him. Because hell is actually separation from God. So our salvation is not just eternal life, this place up in the heavens, it's a promise of being connected with him throughout all eternity. Even now, yes, correct. And an eternal life of relationship and an eternal life of union with him. 
that, yes, we can walk in now. Right? This is why we are commanded to continue to follow him. He is our pursuit. He is our prize. So in Christ, we have divine purpose. We have callings. We have promises. We have giftings. But if that's all we pursue, we miss the point, kind of what I talked about before. And Jesus makes this bold statement. This is what Jesus makes a lot of bold statements, if you didn't notice that. He's a bold kind of guy. Uh, He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow, that's interesting. Nothing? Does he mean nothing? Is Jesus saying, apart from me, you'll be unable to perform your calling? You'll be unable to perform your gifting? No, because people do that all the time apart from him. Right? People perform calling and giftings apart from him all the time. They're called good works. We can do those apart from him. That's why you can't be saved by good works. And Jesus in Matthew says, we know that we know that you can cast out demons. You could prophesy in his name. You could do mighty works, but not be in relationship with him. I would say that's a pretty spiritual person if they're casting out demons and they're prophesying and they're doing mighty works, but they weren't in relationship. So when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, I don't believe he was referring to works or accomplishments accomplishments or good things. You can actually do those apart from him. I believe he was referring to eternal value. Apart from me, you cannot produce anything of eternal value. You know what happens to the works that we do apart from him? Hold no value. But what happens, what, what happens to the works that we do with him? They have eternal, they have eternal lasting effect. Wow. John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So fruit is the tangible expression of union and fellowship with Christ. How do we know that the fruit that we produce is good? It could only come through our relationship with Christ. Fruit is the tangible expression of union and fellowship with Christ. So fruit from connection holds eternal value. But I love this. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is he actually saying? He wants to do it with you. He wants to partner with you. He wants to co-labor with you. See, Jesus didn't come and die and shed his blood so that you could know information about him. He has come 
to restore a relationship that was broken. He has come to, for you to know him intimately and for you to give your whole heart to him. Now, like when it says intimacy, into me, you see, guess what? God knows everything. There's nothing new that I'm going to tell him. But how, so how does God have intimacy with us when he knows? Because we give him access. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. So he's not diminishing the fact that there will be fruit. It's just those things that are produced in our own strength outside of fellowship won't hold eternal value. It may hold temporal value, but not eternal. You know, we could do good things and we could get applauded for it. You are just so amazing. You are so helpful and loving. And well, I, well, maybe loving. I don't. Loving should be a fruit of the spirit, right? You do all these great things, and we get applause from men, but it might not hold any value in the end. That shouldn't be a scary thing. That should just be. I better be connected in relationship to the heart of God. Which, guess what? It's simple. <laughs> because he's offering it. It's free. Come on. Thank you, Father. Do you see me scrolling this? This is amazing. Just scrolling down, skipping all this stuff. I'm just finding a good landing pad to land on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Why? Well, yes, it's a miracle, I know. I guess I'm just sharing what God's been showing me. It's not about knowing the right answer. It's not about doing everything perfectly. It's about making the decision to come into a loving relationship with our loving Father. And guess what? That's simple. It's simple. Because He already desires it. He already longs for it. So I believe that's the challenge for, that I felt like I needed to give today. Coming back to first love. Amen. Because the truth is, we could get so bogged down by all the things that are happening around us, right? And we lose sight of why we're here. We lose sight of relationship. We lose sight of producing fruit that will last through a relationship. So I want to challenge you. I hope I challenged you. That it's not just fitting into this religious system that we're in. It's about knowing him personally. And opening yourself up to hear his voice and follow him.
Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you're calling us deeper into you. God, you're calling us deeper into love. And Lord, I repent where I've placed other things above you. Where I gave other, or where I even tried to dig my own wells to satisfy me. Lord, may today, not only for me, but but for every person in this place, be a day to turn their eyes back to the Lord. To return to the first love. So Lord, I just, to surrender myself before you, God, I open my ears to hear what you're saying. I open my eyes to see what you're doing. And God, I say, have all of me. Have all of me. My heart, my soul, my strength, my passion. God, you're the reason. God, you're the reason. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we have the healing teams come up?